This is Siraj Thomas from Phoenix, Arizona, and this is a message about eternal life, not just being a place that you go when you die, but a power that actually transforms you from the inside out. My prayer for anyone listening to this is that you would receive, believe, and experience the full power of everything that Jesus promises us uh, when we step into union with him. So, hope you enjoy it. Be blessed. Yeah, well, yeah, that would be great. (laughs) All right, so I'm going to say it again. This is Juice right here. Um, I met Juice on New Year's Eve. We met at a, it was like an outdoor gospel meeting. Um, Really, a guy that I knew uh, just a long time ago, like five years ago now, Chris from California. He was coming through just preaching the gospel outside. It was really cool. And I, I met Juice there, and Juice was like, yeah, I want to follow Jesus. He raised his hand. And so, so Lex and I just got to meet him and say, hey, like, I'm Raj. This is Lex. And, and so we've just been hanging out since. And uh, yeah, I mean, we've just been going through it, huh? Like we've been, we've been going through John and like just what is the gospel. And then, um, man, like just going through the simple gospel, like just explaining like this is what Jesus did on the cross. I'm like, ah, like, I could just never get away from this message. Like, this is what pumps me up. Like, this is what gives me life. This is what gets me out of bed in the morning. Like, this is, this is everything to us. And so, and so I want to talk about the gospel. I want to talk about what the gospel is and how it's so much more than what we, so, like, what we just get so used to saying it is in church, you know. It's, uh, it's a life. It's an experience. It's a, it's a union. And so, um, so it's just been our joy together to go through that. And your Swahili Bible comes today in the mail. So it's out for delivery. I just checked the Amazon update. But um, yeah, I want to start at maybe what is probably the most famous uh, verse in the Bible. Uh, do you guys know what I'm about to read? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so we'll read it. And it's probably most classic translation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Yeah. (laughs) That's the gospel. That's where the gospel starts. That's like the doormat of like the front door of the gospel. So we are so used to saying like, what's the gospel? Oh, well, Jesus died to forgive our sins. So now when we stand before God, we won't be considered guilty, but we'll be considered innocent because Jesus who never sinned, Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin so that we would become what? The righteousness of God. My wife knows that. That's my wife, everybody. She's great. But uh, we all know that. But um, so that we would become the righteousness of God. What does that mean? What is righteousness? The rightness. Like, like the same way like John, uh, Romans 6 says, the same way Jesus is dead to sin, so now you consider yourselves to be dead to sin. What? The same amount that Jesus is dead to sin, we're dead to sin. And so, so maybe it's not so crazy that we would become the righteousness of God, that we would bear the image of God, that we would start to look and, 
and live and walk like God. I mean, 1 John 2, 6, after all, says, if you claim to be in Christ, you ought to walk the same way Jesus walked. Ooh, tall order. Or it was just a gift given to us. And so, and so yeah, come on. So what is eternal life? That's kind of like the question of the hour. And, you know, my whole life, you would ask me what's eternal life. I'd be like, it's uh, never-ending eternal life in heaven with Jesus. It's, it's afterlife paradise that doesn't stop going on. And that is true. But Jesus seems to talk about eternal life in a way that includes that and more. And so, and so what am I talking about? He talks about eternal life as something that you experience, something that you experience when you receive him. And so just one chapter later, we see that in John 4, after 3, we see Jesus at the well with that Samaritan woman, right? And she's like, you know, dipping her water. And Jesus says to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, because Jesus asked for her, asked her for a drink, and he would have given you, if you would have asked him, he would have given you living water. And she says to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us this well? Jesus says, everyone who drinks of this water, living water, what? Will never thirst again. Yeah, and well, that's what he says in John 3, too. And he's just like going off of it. Will never thirst again. But the water that I give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. So what happened when we met Jesus? He was the fulfillment, the complete satisfaction of all of our longings, all of our heart's desires, everything that we were ever created to want and crave and experience, like all of the love that we used to chase in the world, Jesus became the complete and total satisfaction of that, right? Mm -hmm. You know, Jesus says, he says, come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. He's quoting Jeremiah 6.16 right there, like this prophecy of like, what does it mean to walk in 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 an actual way of righteousness? It's to find the rest that you've always been searching for in your soul. And all these Old Testament, Old Covenant people are like looking for this, like what does this mean, what does this mean? And everyone Jesus is saying this to knows Jeremiah. They know Isaiah. They could probably recite half the Torah to you. You know, they know all these prophets. You know, Jesus was the fulfillment of all of those prophecies. And he says, hey, come to me. And the thing that you have been looking for for a couple thousand years, I will give it to you. I will give you rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's awesome, huh? And so Jesus is inviting us into this experience called eternal life. You know, he, he lays it out probably more explicitly in, uh, in John 17. 
than, uh, than anywhere else. And he says, eternal life is this, colon. I love colons because it's just like, that's how you know they're just going to get right into it. Like, it's going to be specific, you know. Um, I should have been an English major or something. But, but he's like, eternal life is this right here. Get ready. Get your notepads out to know me. I like how the Passion Translation uh, translates it. It says, eternal life is this, to know deeply and to experience my life inside of you. When does that start? It starts like now. Mm-hmm. So what if we're experiencing eternal life now? Mm-hmm. So we have kind of maybe accidentally boiled the gospel down to being simply, I need to... Get my, my fire insurance, my hell proof card by praying this prayer. And then I won't be guilty on the day of judgment and I can go to heaven instead of hell. And in the meantime, I got to do my best and hang on and try not to cuss and make it to church. And then at the end of it, I mean, God will just be more incentivized to say, well done, good and faithful servant, when maybe the other guy, he didn't have to say that, even though he prayed the prayer, and that's how it boils down to the workers in the field parable. I don't know. But I'm trying to tell us that it's more than that. It's just more than that. Like, Jesus saved us from what we were and transformed us into what we are now. Like Paul, time and time again, says you were sinners. This is the stuff that you were wrapped up in. But then you got saved, washed, and transformed, and now you are something else. You were a sinner, now you're a saint. And why do we say that we are sinners saved by grace? We were sinners, we were saved by grace, and we were transformed into a saint. What we were should not look like what we are. Because what we were without Jesus is not what Jesus looked like. And if we, if Jesus became sin, became what we looked like so that we would become what he looked like, then why are we identifying with a life of sin when that's not who we are? We're not over here anymore. We're like way over here and then 10 miles down the road. We're not, we're not remotely sinners. Like, like the same amount that Jesus is dead to sin, so are you. Like Paul says, when you came to Christ, all that stuff, that strife, that immorality, I'll get into that a little bit more. He's like, like, you know, we know what circumcision is, right? You know, we, so we, we lived in the flesh. We were dominated, controlled. We were slaves to the flesh, right? You know, it, like, like we were talking about, like, what is slavery? It's like, it's like someone's got a chain around your neck and they can pull you. You don't control your own decisions. You're influenced. You are not the master here. You are a slave to sin. That's who we were outside of Jesus. You know, we see people out in the world. Why can't that guy put that bottle down? Why can't that girl out there put that needle down? Like, well, how, how could we condemn them for that? They are not being controlled by themselves. They're being controlled by something in them. Don't, don't be hard on these guys, okay? What they need is Jesus. They don't need a lecture. You know what I mean? And so... And so Paul, Paul recounts this, his, his old life in Romans 7. He's like, oh man, I, I was a slave to sin. He's like, it's not me who does this. It's the sin that lives inside of me. And he says, I am a slave to the law of sin and death. So he's probably not talking about himself as a Christian, right? Why? Because Romans 8, he says, oh, but I'm free from the law and sin and death. He's like, thank God that I am free 
from sin, that my sinful nature is dead. He's like, you know, my old self, my old flesh died with Jesus. So Colossians 2.11, he says, when he's talking to the Colossians, when you came to Christ, he performed a circumcision on you. Cutting away all that old extra stuff that doesn't belong. Dash, the removal of your sinful nature. Well, so our nature changes. What is, uh, I think it's First Peter. He says, we are become partakers of a divine nature. The old is gone. The new is come. It's not, oh, you got a black dog and a white dog, and the one you feed is the one that's going to win, and they're just warring against each other. Like, and we, get, we, we use scripture for that, like Galatians 5, oh, the spirit wars against the flesh. Bad translation. What the, if you look at the original Greek, it says they're just contrary to each other. They don't agree with each other. They're polar opposites. Of course, that makes sense. So why are we creating this narrative theology saying that, oh, the good part of me is going to fight the bad part of me? I, I promise you... You know, like, if we wake up in the morning being like, God, oh, thank you for that huge load off my shoulders, that I'm not what I used to be, and then I just get to be loved by you, and abide in you, and live in you, and experience your life in me. Like, Jesus, you just want to live your life through me. Like, I have died with you, Jesus, and now it's just you living through me. Ah, uh, ah, uh, let's just, like, sink into this, like... Like Paul says, like, you know, hey, take off those old garments, put on these new garments of grace and righteousness. What does that word mean? It means to put on, and it's the Greek word is enduo. Man, we make these, these works, you know, that's a bad translation. Well, why are we saying put on? You know what enduo means is to sink into something. Oh, I like that. It's like, it's like getting into a hot tub and be like, oh, this is nice. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like. A whole new experience and I was like that when I was wrapped up in bad stuff like I encountered grace I, I met this person named Jesus and I just stepped in and I didn't I was like Jesus I don't really know you that well I don't know everything about you but I'm just gonna step into you and see what happens and then I all that old stuff it was like water and oil it just like that all that sin just it goes like Jesus cleans you. He, he says, you're already clean because of the words I've spoken to you. And he says, well, you know, 98%, 99%. If you have a, a, a bottle of water like this, and on the label it says purified water, only 1% fecal matter, only 1% poop. Is this purified water? No. Well, what if it's only like 0.01% poop? I wouldn't drink it. I wouldn't drink it. Well, maybe you won't taste it. Maybe. No, no, no. If Jesus is saying you are clean, you are holy, you are the righteousness of God, it is time for us to believe it. It is time for us to believe it. And so it, it's, it's just, this is the gospel. Jesus says, like, I, I think the, the verse where Jesus says, if you drink the water that I have to give you, you will never thirst again. I think that looks more like the actual gospel than even what John 3.16 is. Because that is almost even a byproduct of what happens because of what Jesus did on the cross. Right? So Jesus died on the cross. Why? To remove your sin. Okay. Why? Why did he do that? Because our sin was like, like God is like, here, let me hug you. Like, like let's say this camera is me. Hey, Rick, again. Like... <laughs> He's like, I want to hug you. Oh, but like, I'm super holy. And you would probably disintegrate if I even tried that. 
you know, he's like, so let me get that out of the way so that there is no separation between me and you. Like the veil is torn of the temple where only the high priest could go meet with God. Now we all have access. We all have personal relationship with God. It's amazing. Jesus is like, if you're my sheep, you hear my voice. We can all prophesy. It's awesome. We can all live like Jesus. He got that out of the way. Why? So that we could experience union with Jesus. That's why it's so powerful in John 15 where Jesus is like, he's like, abide in me. He's like, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I will abide in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. He who abides in me will bear much fruit. So what does that mean? Like, what does that mean to abide in Jesus? It means to experience eternal life, to to experience your union with him. It means to know that the old is really gone and the new has come. We don't have to, to wrestle and create a process out of things that the cross says is not. And I know that's like super offensive to, to like a, a lot of times, a, a lot of us and me probably a few years ago, but I, I learned to realize like, hey, it is time for me to really believe what the Bible says that I am. And it says that I am the righteousness of God. And what does this all boil down to? And, and this is probably any sermon I ever preach probably for the rest of my life will always boil down to one thing. And it's, and it's like, it's like a, an invitation, and it's to let Jesus love us, like Bianco is saying, like Pastor Hello. Diana was saying. Come on, give oh us the power gosh. to receive. Hello. Give us the power to receive. Why? Because when you let Jesus love you, it just gets a whole lot easier to believe what he's saying. Where is the place where we go, oh, this is nice? It's when we just say like, hey, oh, busyness, oh, tasks, oh, like agenda. Those aren't bad. But don't let it distract you from Jesus. Do business, do tasks, do agenda, do it with him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just say, so, so we're going we're gonna to go into a little activation, okay? So everybody close your eyes, okay? Yeah. And for a sec, let's just become really, really still, okay? Almost feel like you, if you can feel your own heartbeat right now. And I want you to envision Jesus' blood running through your veins. And I want you to envision it as the very breath of God that's filling your lungs. And that your right arm is Jesus' right arm. And your left leg is Jesus' left leg. And it's like you're starting to forget where he starts and you end because you are in this somehow mysterious but beautiful union with Jesus. And stay in that place. I just want to read something over you, okay? This is Galatians 5, where Paul says, walk by the Spirit. And he talks about If you're led by the flesh, you will experience, you know, all these old things that you used to, like, you know, outbursts of anger, 
idolatry, jealousy, blah, blah, blah. Don't need to get into it. But if you are in the spirit, like he says, Romans 8, 9, you are no longer in the flesh, but now you are in the spirit. This is us. This is us. Slow down for a second. Just feel Jesus sitting right next to you. Some of them, some of you guys will even feel like his body heat, his warmth. Yeah, Holy Spirit, we just invite you right now in fullness into this experience with you. We thank you just for letting us abide in you right now. Just slow down and be so conscious of you. Let me just read this over you. But this is what the fruit of the Spirit is which means these are the things that are living in you. The love of God is living inside of you. The joy of God is living inside of you. The peace of God is living inside of you. Let's take a minute right there. The peace of God is living inside of you. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, thank you that that's your fruit in me. And that I don't have to work for that. The patience of God is living inside of you. The kindness of God is living inside of you. The goodness of God, it is living right on the inside of you and no one can take it away the faithfulness of God is living inside of you the gentleness of Jesus Christ is living inside of you the self-control of Jesus Christ is living inside of you. And then Paul says, now those who belong to Christ have already crucified that old man, that old sinful nature with all of its passions and all of its desires. You can open your eyes. What if maybe like two times, like three times throughout the day, we were just like super conscious of like, wow, like if this is the fruit of the spirit and it just lives inside of me and we don't have to work for it. <coughs> this is abiding. We're doing it. How'd that feel? That was cool, right? You know, how hard does an apple tree have to, like, flex its roots to grow apples? It just does, right? Mm -hmm. This is just, that's just the fruit of an apple tree because that's who it is. And this is the fruit of you are because you are his. And so we want to experience these things. We, we want to we experience the life of Jesus in us. We want to experience the life of Jesus through us. We want to have that boldness, that courage everything that we could ever be looking for oh i wish i was more this or oh i wish i was more that you know i, I wish i was more godly in this way or that what was our key what's our solution well jesus said well if we're looking for that fruit 
What is, what's Jesus' instruction to us? Abide in me, and I will abide in you, inside of you. As the branch cannot bear much fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. I've heard it said 99% of spiritual, spiritual warfare is distraction from the presence. That's like everything the devil wants. Because, man, I tell you, if you can really just latch on and like lock eyes with Jesus through your whole day, it takes practice for sure. But, yeah, the devil will never be more afraid of you. I promise. You'll never be more held and loved and conscious of who Jesus says you are unless you're in that place of abiding. And that is a beautiful place to live. Super beautiful. It's the gospel. This is eternal life, and it starts now. This is eternal life, and it starts now. It's not when we die. One day we get to go to heaven. It says, Jesus, hey, come to me, and I will give you that rest that you were looking for. Ah, this feels good. Yeah, we get to live there all the time. It's super good. So I'll pray and uh bless us and then uh and then i'll yeah maybe we will stop this thing and then we'll do questions or anything like that so jesus ah thank you that you are the gift of god that leads unto eternal life thank you that the stuff that distraction taught us or tried to convince us would satisfy us is actually we're just looking for you that we just have to drink you in. That we would just consume your blood and your body. And that it would fill the deepest crevice of every crack in our heart, Lord. That we would realize our healing, our wholeness. That, that we would realize everything that you did for us on the cross. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for any time throughout our day that we might get a little bit distracted. Just for tapping us on the shoulder just reminding us that you're right there, that you're right in front of us. You just want to lock eyes with us and live in love with us. Yeah, thank you, Jesus, that you are continually just fixing our gaze back onto you because you are the water. You are the bread. You are the source of life. Like the disciples said, where else could we go? There's nowhere else we have found life like this. Jesus, thank you that that is who you are, and we have full access to you. Thank you for dying on the cross to remove the sin so that we could just fully have union with you and embrace. Thank you for the romance we get to experience with you. So Jesus, we pray, give us all the power we need today and tomorrow and forevermore to receive all of the love that you have for us. Give us all the power we need to receive all the love you have for us and just help us to be good at sitting and experiencing your love. When we pick up our, our kingdom tools and ministry tools, Lord, if we think that that's what makes us close to you, then lay it down for us for a minute, Lord, and just don't let us get distracted, even, even by good things, Lord. Just help us fix our gaze on you. Help us to receive your love. 
Help us to abide, Lord. Teach us, Jesus. Teach us to pray. Teach us to abide. Teach us to be conscious of who we are in you, who you are in us. Let us be sensitive to your voice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.